I, I just love, I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but I love the Lord because he's the only one who never lets me down. No matter where you go, no matter what you do, he's the one I can bank on. He's the one I can put my trust in. And, and really, just I'm, I'm, just, I'm just amazed that he would use people like us to do his work. It blows my mind away, doesn't it? And so it's always a privilege whenever we get to open up God's word. And I, I pray that as we open up his word, he'd open up our hearts. That we get to receive what he has for us. So go ahead and turn to the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter 1. We're going to be looking at the first five verses of this. Um, and really tonight, just uh, what God has for us and what God wants for us tonight really is, is to take ownership of what God has given to us. To take ownership of what God has given to us. And I've entitled this, um, well, we'll read through Joshua chapter 1 and we'll, we'll talk about that real quick. Joshua 1 Verses 1 through 5, and this is what it says. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying this, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as great, the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. Verse 5, no man, I'm going to say no man, shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Let me read that again. Verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses. So I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father God, just thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that you love us with an everlasting love. And just, I ask even now, God, that you would just show us, show me, God, Show me your glory. Show me your heart. Show me your word. Show us, God. We want to know you more intimately, more deeply. So God, would you allow your word to be illuminated to us? Father, thank you for loving us the way that you do. Bless your body here. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And all his people said, amen. Amen. So uh, there's this song. It was written in the 1940s by this guy named Woody Guthrie. It's called, This Land is Your Land. Anyone know this song? This land is your land. This land is my land. From California to New York. From the Redwood to the Gulf Stream. Waters, right? This land was made for you and Oh, I heard some bass. All right, very good. So I remember learning this song, uh, probably second or third grade. Uh, I went to Broad Avenue Elementary School, which is in the city of Wilmington. Woo, we must. Okay, so um, as, as I was recalling this song, as I was preparing this study, I was thinking, man, that song is all about, and it was written during a time when there was much poverty, there was much going on in the country of the United States of America. And in 1940, there was a lot of things going on in our country that they almost, Woody Guthrie had to make a statement, this land is our land. This land is my land. 
And when I started thinking about it, I was thinking about, yes, it is. If you are an American citizen, this is, this is the country that God has given us for where we live. And I started thinking about it and asking God, well, this is the land you've given me, but what else have you given me, God? What else have you given me? Not just, it's not just physical space. It's not just merely uh, something that I put on my address. It's more than that, isn't it? It's more than just the property. It's more than just the possessions. God, what have you given me? And in this particular passage, the Lord kept prompting upon my heart, you've been given a whole lot, but sometimes we just don't realize it. The Bible says that we are rich. Anybody here rich in Christ? We don't even know the half of it, do we? But one day we will. One sweet day when we pass from this earth, we'll be in the presence of one who created us in his image, and we will know. But till then, guess what? There's a battle to be won. And guess who's, who's part of that army? You are. So turn to somebody and say, you're part of the Lord's army. Tell them that. You're part of the Lord's army. You're part of the Lord's army. All right, all right, all right. Good, good, good. So... Uh, as, as I was reading through this, I, I pray that God would be able to show you a little bit of more of his heart and what he has for us. It says here, after the death of Moses, most, most of you know that Moses was the man that God had called to lead the people out of captivity in Egypt to the promised land, the crossing of the Red Sea, uh, uh, God providing it for them all throughout. But it says here, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua. The son of Nun, Moses' assistant. So interesting here, in order for Joshua to take the leadership, Moses had to die. Something had to happen in order for Joshua to take his place. As I start to think about this, in order for Joshua to answer his calling, there needed to be a passing away, a passing away of Moses. And oftentimes in our lives, God has to allow things to pass away. There's got to be loss. We sung it. You know, blessed be your name. You give and you take away. And I started thinking about this even more. Moses represented the law, the Ten Commandments, Mount Sinai, all good things. The law is good. It's holy. But you know the one thing about the law? It just reminds us how sinful we are, isn't it? We serve a holy, pure God with sinful man. And as a result, man cannot get close, approach So the law is good. The Bible even talks about in Galatians chapter 3, 24 and 25, that it was a tutor. Let me read this to you. It says, therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under the tutor, under the law. The law was meant to point us to Jesus, to remind us that we need a sacrificial lamb who takes away our sins. And as I started thinking about this even more, God, thank you so much that though there's the law, then comes Jesus, and he abolishes the law. And it's a new commandment, right? And as I was thinking about this, in order for Joshua to take his place, the death of Moses had to happen. And there was a change for the people of Israel, the Israelites. There was a change in their condition. And then there was a commissioning of Joshua's life. And then what happens is that they're called out of Israel. And, and, and they're called out of the wilderness. And I love this because oftentimes it says here, the Lord spoke to Joshua. Joshua, 
was Moses' assistant for many years. And as he was assistant for many years, he was faithful in the small things. And came his time, showtime, game time for Joshua. All those things he had learned from Moses, now he's going to have to put into practice. But interesting that death was necessary so that Joshua could hear God speak. What needs to die in our life? What needs to pass away? What needs to be removed in our lives so we could hear God's voice more clearly? I don't know about you, but in our world today, there's a whole lot of noise, isn't there? A whole lot of voices, a whole lot of stuff that sometimes clogs my ears that I can't hear. There's that song, right? Word of God, speak. Would you pour down like rain, washing my eyes to see your majesty, to be still and know that you're in this place Please let me stay and rest in your holiness, word of God, speak. And oftentimes we need to be in that place, right? Remember the prophet Elijah in Kings. He went off to a place and says, God, where are you? You're not in the wind. You're not in the earthquake. You're not in the fire. But ah, the still, small voice. I love it when God gets my attention. I don't know about you, but I get spanked by the Lord a lot. Anyone here? Disciplined, corrected. I mean, that's just, that's just my life. Maybe it's your life. Actually, it should be our lives because the Bible says, whom the Lord loves, what? What does he do? He disciplines. He corrects. So it's good to get a spanking every now and then from the Lord. But when I think about this, I think, God, you're in the still small voice too. Oftentimes, I meet with Jesus in my car. Anyone do that? You're just driving, and your mind starts to think, and maybe you'll hear a song where the Lord will minister to you, and you're just like in tears. You're just like, what just happened? Holy Spirit came down upon your heart to renew it, to refresh it, to restore it. And I want to share with you tonight, if you're feeling defeated, if you're feeling like the fight is just too hard, verse 5. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. That's a promise God has given. And so as I think about this all throughout the Bible, there's these numerous episodes. One of my favorite ones is in the book of Isaiah, chapter 6. We know him by the name of Isaiah. And it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the... Wow. What has to pass away in your life that you might hear and you might see the Lord. There's a lot of things in our life that get in the way. And often it is with death or loss or grief. In their confusion, God wants to give you clarity. Right? In your insecurity, God wants to bring security. And as I start to read this, as God is dialoguing. I love this. God's speaking directly to Joshua here. In verse 2, he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Wake up. Get up, Joshua, and do this. Go over to the Jordan, you and all the people. So it would be one thing for God to say, hey, Joshua, take your family. But no, I want you to take all the Israelites. I don't know about you, but I know a little bit about the Israelites. They whined, they complained, they murmured, right? And I couldn't imagine, Joshua, you want me to take them? Although if I were Joshua, I'd say, I'll take him, her, and him. But he says, all the people. All. Maybe you're like this with the Lord. 
I'll do what you tell me to do, but I'd like to do this, and I'd like to do that, but no way am I going to do that. And isn't it interesting? God will say, I want you to do that one, the one you don't want to do. Because there's a lesson in it, isn't it? He says here, now therefore arise, go over the Jordan, and you and all the people, and here's key, the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. That whole idea to arise, it's active. It's not merely agreeing in my mind to go and do this thing, but with my actions that I'm actively doing it. God had entrusted Joshua to be in charge of overseeing, getting the Israelites across the Jordan River to the promised land. And I look at this and I think, man, what should have been, I believe, maybe an 11-day journey from Egypt to Canaan was 40 years Wow, could you imagine that what should have only taken a very short time, it took the Israelites 40 years to figure it out. There's this term, um, uh, late bloomer. Anyone know what that term means, right? It's not until later in life do you get to, to bloom and do all those things. There's people who, who can catch on right away. Um, I'm not one of those people. <laughs> it takes me a while. It takes me a couple times. It's like, run that by me again here. It's sad when your children know how to operate your phone more than you do, and they're only 10 years old. That's, that's horrible, right, that, that your child would know that. But it takes a while. But here, God's intention was never the wilderness for them. I think oftentimes we choose the wilderness because we think we know best, aside from God. And as they went round and round and round in the wilderness, it was because of their murmuring, maybe even their unbelief, But I believe here God is speaking to Joshua, trust me and move forward. Follow me, follow me and move on. Remember, Moses had just died. It's interesting when things are taken away from our life, the difficulty and the challenges to still continue to follow Jesus, isn't it? It's hard. And he says, to this land. What land? The land of Canaan, right? The promised land. The land flowing with milk and... Wow. This is what they had been waiting for. Joshua and Caleb are the only ones who made the cut. All those were left behind. They didn't make it. The Bible says because of their unbelief. This was a new generation. And I, and I kind of see this interesting. This new generation, they're going to receive the promised land, but they didn't work for it. They almost don't deserve it. Huh, kind of interesting. Getting what you don't deserve. Oh, grace. They received a moment of grace here. They were able to enter the promised land without doing a thing. Now get this. Their promised land. Land they didn't work for, but land that God was giving to them. Way back in the book of Genesis, God had told Abraham, right? I will make you a father of many nations. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm, left arm, right? And, and I think about this. The promise was made in Genesis chapter 15, and it simply says that God had promised Abraham or Abraham at the time, to your descendants I will give this land. Now for Moses in Deuteronomy one twenty one, it says, Look, the Lord your God has set the land before you, in front of you. 
Go up and possess it. Occupy it. As the Lord your God, your fathers, has spoken to you, do not fear or be discouraged. The land was theirs for 40 years. They just did not possess it. It was ready. But they didn't take it. Similar to our salvation story, right? God has blessed us tremendously. God has given us his Holy Spirit. God has blessed us with blessings upon blessings. See, Israel was given the title deed for Canaan, the promised land, but they did not take ownership. They didn't seize it for themselves. They didn't occupy the land. And in order to have ownership, you have to recognize it's yours, right? Interesting thing, Christmas, bunch of gifts, uh, around whatsoever, and, and you're looking, and which, which gift are you looking for first? Your gift, right? But what if there's no names on the gifts? You don't know which one to open, right? And you're kind of in a quandary, like, oh, which one is mine? I'll, maybe I'll open this. And you start to shake it. Ooh, this is a good one here, right? And there's always one with socks. Why is there always a gift with, and you can hear that. It's like, oh, I don't want that one, right? You can't hold on to something that you don't know even belongs to you. So the Israelites did not even realize this land that was promised to Abram, promised to Moses, is now spoken to Joshua. Remember, he's hearing God. He says, this is your land. I'm giving it to you. Occupy it. Possess it. Take it. Seize it. It's yours. So what does that look like? What does that look like for you and me? Well, let's read on. It says, verse 3, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. As I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the lands of the Hittites, and the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. I love this. Wherever your foot steps on, it's yours. It belongs to you. And I love it. He gives them coordinates. He, he confirms the boundaries from the wilderness to the Lebanon to the great river to the land of the Hittites and the great sea. And the only way you can possess it, the only way you can claim it, is to move forward. Israel was given this rich property, this territory. And the interesting thing that we're going to read or you maybe have read was that this territory was already occupied. It was other people's property. It belonged to somebody else. And God gives them someone else's property. Someone else's territory. It's territory. Let's think about this. It's, it's a parcel of land. It's, it's, it's a place where you can build a home, right? It has boundaries. There's a property line. Uh, we've often heard it said here, uh, your time your treasure, and your talents, right? That's your territory. Uh, your time, your t- the 24 hours every day that we're given, the relationships with your spouse and your family and your children and your friendships, right? Your treasure, your wealth, and your resources, your finances, uh, your talents, your giftings, your abilities, your skills. This is what God has given unto us. Even your physical, your health. How often we take for granted our health, right? These are things that God has given us. And I want to encourage you and remind you, you've got more territory, more land 
more property, more stuff than you think you have. And why do I say that? Uh, there's a greater, it's not just what you see, but God is giving you, in a sense, an influence. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit about this. You and I have a sphere of influence. People that are a part of our life on a regular basis, right? And, and though you might attribute it to those are relationships, but that were, that's where God has placed you specifically. Do you realize you have the job that you have because there's people there that want to see Jesus, but can't find him anywhere else. And he's going to see it in you. That's kind of scary, isn't it, right? But you get to represent your privilege to do that in your families. Praise God if you're, all your family are believers. Whew, awesome. But maybe for majority of us, they don't know the Lord. So guess what? You get to represent Jesus to them. Not always the easiest task, but something God has given to us. What belongs to you? What has God entrusted to you? The territory God has given to you is specific. See, only you can walk in that territory. No one else. Only you can speak to those people. No one else. Uh, If you've ever worked in sales before, especially when you're dealing with vendors and businesses, uh, if you worked in sales where you have to go from establishment to business, you're given a territory, correct? You're given a region. For example, this individual has a valley. This individual has Orange County. This individual has downtown. You're given this territory, this, this region, and your job is to oversee and make profit, be fruitful, to do the best you can in these areas. And as I start to think about this more, you are given a territory to work in. And throughout the book of Joshua, Joshua encourages them about five times or so that they need to move forward to possess the land. But some of us haven't moved forward. Has God told you to do something for him? And maybe your response was, I can't, God. Or maybe I won't, God. Or, God, I don't have the experience. I can't speak. I can't do that. That's over my head, God. There's no way. Or you might say, God, it's just too hard. It's impossible. Oh, but we serve a God who says, nothing is impossible for me. My hand is not too short to reach. So don't ever say, it's too difficult. Christ in you, the hope of glory. If you got Jesus, anyone here have got Jesus in your heart? All right. Guess what? It's not you. It's him. With him, we can do all things, right? And maybe it's time for you to claim some inheritance. Maybe it's time for you to step on that territory. Maybe it's time for you to say, this, I'm not moving. This is where God has given me. I'm staying put. Maybe it's time for you to take a stand in your family and say, this is what we're going to do. As for me and my house, says later on Joshua, we will serve the Lord. Maybe it's time to stand some ground and not be moved. Sometimes we get so caught up in the circumstance we don't see Christ. And my brothers and sisters, if there's ever time to see Christ, it's now. If there's ever time to stand in your place where God has put you, it's now. More than ever. I want to encourage you, there's an urgency. Is there not an urgency in our world to be vigilant in prayer, to be on guard, 
to not the enemy creep into our homes, in our workplaces, even in our churches, in our relationships. It's time to guard the territory that God has given to you. It's time. He's blessed us with spiritual blessings, right? And I was thinking about this. God, why, 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 why would you bless Israel, right? Why would you bless them? He gives them this, this portion of land, and a couple of things. Number one, he wants to drive out the enemies that are there because of their idolatrous nature. They're sinful. He drives them out, right? He wants to provide an abundant land for them. He had, they had livestock. He wanted to take care of their needs. He wanted to mature them. He wanted to grow them, transform them, transform them from whining, grumbling, unbelieving people and transform them to be servants of the Most High God. And that's what God does with us, isn't it? And sometimes that process is a little bit longer than we'd like, correct? How many of you late, maybe in the past weeks, like, man, I still do that. Or I still think that. But oh, isn't God doing a work? He who began a good work in you, he's going to be faithful to complete it to the day of Jesus Christ. You are in process. This thing called sanctification. And as I start to think about this, us, hasn't God blessed us with material and physical possessions? Hasn't God provided for us his desire that we would grow and mature, right? That we'd be fruitful in the land that God has given us. And oftentimes, he puts us in certain places because he wants to drive out your enemies, he wants to drive out those things that don't belong there. Oftentimes I forget, um, this is not my home. I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm merely passing through. I'm a sojourner. I'm a pilgrim. I forget because sometimes I get way too comfortable in my reclining chair. When it's time to arise, as God told Joshua, arise Go across the Jordan River. Take all these people to the land that is promised to you. And it's a specific land. But this is the thing, guys. If we don't possess that land, there's an enemy who's going to take that land. If we don't solidify our relationships in our family, there's someone from the outside who's going to come and rob, kill, and destroy. If we don't pray over those things that need to be prayed over, Guess what? Then he's going to deceive and take and pillage. You better believe there's going to be a fight going on, a fight for territory. There's going to be a clash. There's going to be combat, controversy, confrontation. Hey, if there is friction going on in your life, there's a fight for territory. There's a fight for people in your life. There is a fight in your own heart. There is a fight for purity and innocence in your life. There is a fight for your mind. Isn't that the case? How many of you had crazy thoughts? Anyone think you're going crazy sometimes? Like, why am I thinking that? That's like the weirdest, strangest thing. And you think nobody thinks like that. Let me just tell you, all of us think like that, right? There's battles going on. There's battles like flesh, spirit, flesh, spirit, spirit, flesh, spirit, flesh. And you go back and forth and you vacillate and you try to figure this out. Not, 
Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And that's how there's victory won. There's a quote that says, God has a plan for your life. And the enemy also has a plan for your life. Be ready for both. Just be wise enough to know which one to battle and which one to embrace. There is a battle to be won. And there's God's plan to embrace. And that's when we come to verse 5, really. That's the reason for verse 5 for me. It says, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. He says here, No man is able to stand before you. No enemy will be able to hang with you. No people, no nation, no tribe. God puts us in our place. He puts us in the territory that you're in. And I'd like it if God makes things easy. Anyone here like things that are easy? Uncomplicated, undramatic, just... I wish we could just merely walk in and occupy the land and the territory that God has given us. But quite often, that's not the case. There's oftentimes blood, sweat, and tears that are required. If you know anyone who's been in a battle, in a war, not only is there sacrifice, not only is there wounds, right? In these great battles that you and I face, there's a war to be won. There's effort. And I'll tell you this, and I think most of us know that anything that's worth anything is worth fighting for to you. Isn't it? If your family is worth something to you, it's worth fighting for. If your job or your possessions, whatever that is, that's what you fight for, right? My thought really is I got, God, could you just eliminate all my enemies? Can you just in a mirror? I know you can do it, God. And oftentimes he'll allow them to remain so I could co-labor and partner with him in the battle. Just because we claim that territory, just because we claim these things, does not mean our life is going to be without testing and conflict and pressures. I think because we say yes to God, it adds it on, doesn't it? Because we decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. My question to each of us, God has given us a portion of land. Do you realize you're in a fight? A fight for territory a fight for your family, a fight for your sanity, right? And it just didn't happen. It's been over a per- period of time, that same thing that would, that would enter in our life, and it could be disease, it could be various things that are going on in your life. But oftentimes, we accept it as normal, and we just adjust our life to fit the situations that are going on. If maybe here today, that there has been something that's entered into your life, you've just kind of accepted it. Maybe a prodigal child, maybe a broken relationship, maybe something in the past that's been drummed up, and you just kind of accept it, and you don't address it, and you kind of let it linger, and you kind of let it fester, and you've kind of just become comfortable with it, and it becomes normal. 
when it was never intended to become normal. Because it inten- its intention was to come in and be an enemy. The worst thing that we can do is blend in and mingle with the world. Because it's really easy to blend in. Um, I don't know about you, but oftentimes when, when I'm in a, an establishment that has uh, maybe a song from my past. I won't even say the song to get you out of there. But you're standing there in line, and you're just like, and you hear this song that's familiar. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sinful. I do this sometimes. And I'll hear it, and I'll, and I'll tap my toes. Oh. Right? And do your head. It's like, oh, you know, and you start doing this thing. You're like, whoa, where did I go? I allowed my mind to drift, and I allowed the music to come in. I got comfortable. I allowed what was on the outside to come in the inside. And it doesn't take much, does it? See, what God was telling the people of Israel here as they were entering to the promised land, and I I love this. He says, verse 5, for a reason. I'm going to give you the land. I'm going to give you this promise. I'm going to give you this territory, but there's going to be a fight. And there's going to be some enemies. And you're going to have to learn, Israelites, new generation. You're going to have to learn how to fight. It was almost like God was speaking to my heart. It was like, so you're just going to sit there and let them take away your territory, your life? Are you going to allow the enemy to steal your mind and your spouse? Are you going to easily just hand it over to the enemy? Or are you going to fight? This is where it gets real, right? The reason for the fight, the reason for the battle. I believe God was telling Joshua, verse 5, for the simple fact that they're going to be people who are going to stand up against you all the days of your life. Whenever you and I decide to make a decision and get ready to expand your territory, maybe you're here tonight and you're saying, you know what, I'm going to go and get involved and help out with ushers or the cafe or the children's ministry, you better believe when you take that first step, the enemy's ready there to oppose you. He's going to tell you lies. He's going to allow you to stumble. He does not want you to move forward. And if you go through the life of the Israelites through the book of Joshua and all the different battles and the enemies that came upon them, there are reasons why God allowed those enemies in their life to drive out those things that were in the Israelites. But I love this. The enemy opposed Christ, did he not? He tempted him. He tempted him three times. And each and every single time, how did Jesus combat the enemy with the word of God? The grass will wither and the flowers will fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. When you come up your battles, when you come in those situations where you're not able to fight, let the Lord fight your battle. Let the Lord come in and show you how to fight. When we decide to move forward in a relationship with the Lord, the moment you break away from some sin or bondage and you want to take over new territory, realize the enemy is going to want to fight against you. The enemy fights the hardest when he knows God has something great for you because he does not want you to be in that place where you can receive 
from the Lord. I love worshiping the Lord as we were doing earlier. I love being able to get into the Word and read and see what He has for us. The enemy is all about fighting for your territory. His plot is to stop you from getting into the promised land. As a son and daughter, there are times you're just going to have to fight. Sometimes fight to the death. If we look at the Israelites, one of the greatest battles was in Jericho. Anyone remember the game plan, the battle plan from the Lord? All right, here are this walled city called Jericho. And what I'd like you to do is just march around it. March around it. Okay, we'll do that. Seven days. And on the last day, you're going to blow your trumpets and the walls are going to come tumbling down. Ha! And that's how we're going to win. Yep. Interesting. Could you imagine the dialogue that Joshua would have with the Israelites? All right, Israelites, this is what we're going to do. I'm sure he's trying to pep them up. Say, All right, we're going to march. March? How are we going to win a battle by marching? Just, just, just trust me. First day, second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day, seventh day. I'm going to blow our trumpets and scream. I love God's ways. They're so unconventional. It absolutely doesn't make sense. I could imagine the people kind of scratching their head. Um, you sure about this? Joshua, are you sure the Lord spoke to you about this one? Because it doesn't make sense. Has God placed some things before you? It doesn't make sense. Has God ever called you to reconcile with someone, but it doesn't make sense? Has God called you to befriend someone, and it didn't make sense? It didn't seem logical? It was almost impractical? Isaiah says, my thoughts are not his thoughts. His thoughts are greater. My ways are not his ways. His ways are so much greater. As I look at this whole episode of what's going on in Joshua's life, God has called him now to lead the people across the Jordan River into the promised land. And God, as God has called him to lead the people, it's almost a, a bit of a daunting task to realize what's up against him what God has called him to. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you just have to learn and get used to fighting battles. And as we come up with our battle plans and what that looks like. But I love this. The battle belongs to the Lord. Amen? See, what they took must be fought for. Those things that the enemy tries to snake from you, tries to rob from you. And sometimes there are those things that we willingly give. In the midst of the testing and the temptation, 
comes God's deliverance. He wants to deliver us. He is the deliverer. He says, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. See, victory was not assured because Joshua was a great leader. Victory over the opposition did not come because the nation of Israel was great. Victory came because they decided to serve a great God. And he says to Joshua, I will be with you. When you and I decide to move forward, when you and I decide to leave the past behind, oftentimes there is some opposition that you will face. There are things that are going to go on that you have no control over, right? When we fight our battles, when we continue to seek the Lord in those things. And as you and I recognize that we're in this battle, we're in this fight, there's things that God has given to us as a body of believers. And I love this. And I I hope you get this tonight. Because we are all in a battle and God has given this territory, right? All of us are pretty good with our territory. When I say territory, let's talk about personal space. Everyone here good with your personal space? Right? You're good where everyone is sitting right now. But what if the person next to you just sat a little bit closer? Maybe your shoulders are touching, right? Or better yet, what if... This is the seat you always sit in, and next week they sit in your seat, right? How would you feel? They're taking your space. Well, I pray that we get a little crazy when the enemy tries to take our space, when he tries to take our territory, when he tries to take what's rightfully yours. See, What is that territory? I believe each of us are given a platform to speak on. Tonight, this is my platform for 30, 40 minutes. Then after that, my platform will be tonight as I pray with my kids. Tomorrow morning, when I go to the eye doctor, that'll be my platform. And after that, I think I'm going to go to Tarjay to get some things for Uganda. That'll be my platform. Do you see? This territory is not a parcel of land. This territory God has given to me is my life. What are you going to do with your life and the amount of time that you've been given? The Bible says that your life is but a vapor, here today and gone tomorrow. See, I love this because God is speaking to Joshua and says, you got a choice, Josh. You can either stay where you are before the Jordan River and never cross, Or you can take a step of faith and cross. And most of us know the Jordan River as it goes on later. It wasn't until they stepped foot into the Jordan River that the water stopped. If that were me, I would like, God, stop the waters, then I'll go in. Anybody like that? Especially if you don't know how to swim, right? Could you imagine that for the Israelites? I'm not going to go in that river. It's it's flooding. I mean, but what he said is, once you step in, the waters will stop. And maybe tonight that's you. When God is saying, take a a step of faith, because we walk not by sight, but by faith. So if you're going to take a step of faith, step into the Jordan River. Step into the water. 
Step into the place God has called you. And maybe here today, God has called you to be risen up in your workplace or in your home. And the enemy keeps reminding you of what you did before that prevents you from moving forward. Uh, Let me just tell you, the enemy is a liar. God promised the Israelites, this is your territory, this is your land. It belongs, it rightfully belongs to you. Take it, possess it, occupy it. It's yours. The territory that God has given you, the platform, those things that he's done in your life. So if you're sitting here tonight and maybe in your own life, there are things that God has given you, God has entrusted to you, God has allowed in your life for a reason. Even your potential of what you could be. I believe in this room there are people here that you're maybe aspiring to do something great for the Lord, but because maybe fear or insecurity has gripped you, you become paralyzed in your walk and you can't move forward. Let me just tell you, Jesus, he touched the paralyzed and they would walk. And maybe tonight you're saying, Jesus, touch me so I can walk. And maybe your mouth and your tongue has been stilled because of things that people have said in the past and you remain to be silent. Oh, that we would say, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If God touches your heart, he'll touch your mouth that you might speak his words, even to praise him. I pray that tonight that would be that night where you'd be able to say, God, you've touched me, you've changed me, I'm brand new. I, uh, I have four children, and uh, my youngest is uh, three years old. Funny, his name is Israel. We call him Izzy. And uh, you're in the youngest. Anyone here the youngest in your family of multiple children? Okay. You know you get beat up the most. Anyone know that, right? And so the youngest always gets bullied, pushed around, what have you. And in our home, um, there's always sibling rivalry. I don't know why it is. We probably have the noisiest house on the block, um, you know when the Moscardos are in the ho- at home because you'll hear it, right? And they're always fighting and pushing and all that. And with Israel, um, because he's the youngest, um, things get taken from him, that, which always happens. But I have to tell you, he's not, as guilt- he's not as innocent as you think. I've seen him many a times grab things out of his older sibling's hands and run away. He's known for that. And as I start to think about this, when his older brothers and sister try to take something that's out of his hand, right? He has this death grip on it, and he's not letting go for dear life. And I, I can't remember the situation, but we were home a couple of weeks ago, and I had given him something from the store, something from 99 cent store. I can't remember, but he was holding on to it. And his brother says, hey, Izzy, let me have it, Right? And we try to be polite in our house, but sometimes we're not as polite. Let me have it. One of the siblings says, no. Izzy, let me have it. It's mine. No, it's mine. I mean, could you imagine the chaos? Anyone hear how that goes? If you have children, you're around children, you're not. And it goes back and forth. And then from there, it's mano y mano. Combat. It just, like, it just gets rough. They're wrestling on the ground. I mean, throwing punches here and there. And they finally 
the older sibling tries to grab it, and Izzy's, it's mine. Daddy gave it to me. It's mine. Daddy gave it to me. For dear life, he's holding on. And if you can imagine a three-year-old and their veins popping out because they're just so intense on this, right? They eventually pull it out of his hand. He cries. I comfort him. But I tell you that story for a reason. What God has given you, it's mine. My dad, my father in heaven, gave it to me. I'm going to guard it with my life. I'm going to protect it. I will sacrifice. I will give. So what God has given me is untouched by the enemy. My mind, my heart, my body, my purity, it belongs to the Lord. God bought you with a price. And that's the precious blood of Jesus. And I want to encourage you, church, don't let the enemy or the world or people take what was intended for you to freely give, to be trashed. You're a child of God. And with that mindset, because you and I are children of God, God has called us with this. He says, so I will be with you, not to leave you or forsake you. It was a personal promise to Joshua. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. Psalm 18.39 says this, For you have armed me with strength for the battle. For you have subdued under me those who rose up against me. God has armed you with strength for the battle. God has equipped you with his Holy Spirit. God has given you all that you need to do battle. Because guess what? You and I, we're bound for the promised land. We're bound for the spirit-filled life. We're bound for the life God has intended for you. God has not called you to, to meander and to be part of this world, but he's called you to follow him. And so just with that tonight, um, in my heart, as, as I was praying earlier, I believe for some of us, God, the enemy has robbed us and stolen and taken away those things that were intended for you. And tonight, maybe it is all about you taking a stand and saying, it's mine. My Father in heaven gave it to me. And you take it back. You take back what's rightfully yours. That God was telling Joshua, you stand. And when others stand against you, I will be with you. Paul the Apostle, in his last letters, he says, All deserted me. Everyone left. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. You stand even when no one else stands. And you fight when no one else fights with you. Tonight, I just thought it'd be great for us just to pray. And um, if tonight your marriage is being rocked and robbed, you stand. 
if the enemy's trying to fool your children into thinking this is life, you stand. If in your mind this world is trying to taint you and contaminate you, you stand because God has called you to a higher calling. And so we're going to pray, and as I pray, and, and maybe that's you, you just, you just stand. Not for anybody else, but you stand because God's calling you to stand in the midst of your battle, in the midst of those things that are going on in your life. The standing doesn't change anything. Just because you stand doesn't mean those battles go away. But I do know this. When I take action, remember God told Joshua, arise, get up. Stop sitting down. You had a little break, but now it's time to get up. Moses has died. Moses has passed away. It's time to get up. It's time to stand for those things God has called you to stand for. Let's pray. Father God, I just want to thank you for this. And as, as you prompt my brothers and sisters to stand, not for anything other than desiring to follow you and to please you, God, you would have your way in their life. Lord, so I pray for each of my brothers and sisters that are standing today that have an issue, that are maybe weak from fighting so hard, that maybe have been challenged and have been struggling in their families, in their, in their relationships, God, I, I ask even now, Holy Spirit, you would speak. Word of God, speak. Holy Spirit, fall afresh upon each and every single one of these that stand tonight. Because I know they stand for you. And God, would you, would you embrace them even tonight? God, would you remind them that you're with them in their battles? You're with them in their fighting. God, thank you, Lord, that you're going to give them the strength to fight. And Lord, when they get wounded, thank you, God, you're going to comfort them. You're going to give them that per- perfect peace that passes all understanding, God. Thank you, Lord, that you're the only one who can do that. So we thank you, God, for your presence, the fact that you're here. And so, Lord, thank you once again for being the lifter of our head. That when we lift up our eyes to the hills, we realize who our help comes from. It comes from you, God. So we love you, Lord. I pray for these that stand tonight, God, that this would set the tone for their week. This would set the tone for their month, their life. And having done all, to stand. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name.